morning. That was a worship blast, isn't it? I loved it. Uh, let's give a round of applause to God for working through our wonderful people with their gifts and talents that we can worship God. Uh, my name is Dina. Uh, I'm an assistant pastor in church here in Riverside, Lisbon. And it was a pleasure to be with you this morning. And I want to check who is here for the first time in our service this morning. First timers? We got one, two, three, four. Looks like a family there. You're very welcome. Um, if you're visiting or passing by Lisbon, thank you for joining us this morning. And uh, we bless you and we pray for the good rest of the trip. And if you're planning to stay in Lisbon for a while, uh, we have information center. Please check in. It's right when you enter through the door in the hallway. We have different WhatsApp groups. We have different weekly activities that you can be a part of the church life, that you can sign up and you can be a part of it. All the questions you have, they will answer you. Uh, before we go into the Word of God, I want to say, if you have children here in the auditorium, we have Children's Church. We have wonderful teachers waiting for you in the classroom, and they would love to be with your children to teach them and help them learn the Word of God. So if you have kids, please, you can um, take them in the right in the corridor. There's a teacher right there. She can help you, guide you. So recently, I'm coming across a lot of different stories in the scriptures, and I'm trying to understand some of the stories, why they are in the place where they are, and why they uh, connect to the story of the whole Bible. And a, a few months ago, we studied the book of Ruth, and we studied the story of Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz, and we saw the, the, the theme and pattern of how these stories connect to the bigger picture of the gospel. And recently in the evening service, we have been studying the book of Daniel. And it has been such a blessing to, to study the book of Daniel and how we can be faithful in a culture that is so away from God. And Daniel has so many supernatural stories that we can tell our kids. Daniel was in lion's den and Daniel's friends were in fire and God delivered them from fire. And there's so many supernatural movements from God. And it was such a blessing to study the book of Daniel. But today we are going to study another story from the scripture. And I have to warn you, this story has no supernatural movements like we used to. And God is not visibly present in the story. And we can't pinpoint a one morally good character in the story. And even God's people themselves, they're struggling with their identity. And there's a crisis in the story. And there is no mention of a prophet or a prayer or the laws of Moses. Nothing. And the culture, this story takes place is extremely wicked. Any guess what story we're going to talk about? The story of Esther. Wow, some people are scholars in this house. So we see similar situations in the world today, don't we? Uh, and my, my, um, my parents are, are pastors back home. And my dad is in a missionary journey to the northern part of India, and he was visiting a state called Manipur. And there, there's a refugee crisis right now, and they have um, a communal violence which turns into a religious violence, and it's, it's really sad, and he's been sending pictures, and it's, it's really heartbreaking to see how bad we can go, how bad the culture can go, how bad the things, the situations all around the world 
can be against God's people or, or in people in general. And we look at it and say, does God work through situations like this? If he does, how is he going to do this? It, it seems so hard. It seems too big to solve. And that's what we're going to read today. We're going to read the scriptures to Esther chapter 4. And we're going to go through the story of Esther and see what is God is telling us today. Esther 4 verse 1 to 9. When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the city, wailing loudly and bitterly. But he went only as far as the king's gate, because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter it. In every province to which the edict and the order of the king came, there was a great mourning among the Jews, with fasting and weeping and wailing. Many lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's eunuchs and female attendants came and told her about Mordecai, she was in great distress. She sent clothes for him to put on instead of a sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther summoned Hadak, one of the king's eunuch, assigned to attend to her, and ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai and why. So Hadak went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate, so Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for the annihilation, which had been published in Susa to show to Esther and explain it to her, and told him to instruct her to go into the king's presence to beg for mercy and plead with people, plead with him for her people. Hadak went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. So I'm jumping into the middle of a story. So I'm going to give you some background of what happened before, and then we can continue with the story. So when the kingdom of Judah fell into the hands of Babylon, so the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar took some people as exiles back to Babylon. And that's where we read the story of Daniel, where the exiles living in the kingdom of Babylon but after that, the kingdom of Babylon fell into the hands of another kingdom, Medes and Persians. So it's a Persian kingdom. So the king of Persia, he was ruling over like almost from Ethiopia to India, like 127 provinces, such a big world kingdom at the time. And he has a dream and he passes an edict. Edict is like a, a proclamation across the whole nation and says, Everyone, if, if anyone is a Jew and is a covenant people of God, you can go back to Jerusalem. You don't have to live as exiles anymore. You can help build the kingdom, uh, the, the temple of God, the Jerusalem temple. But out of a million people, around 50,000 people went back. The rest just stayed in Persian kingdom. We don't know why. Maybe they had a better life. Maybe they, ha they have their jobs. Maybe they have something going on for them. And they don't want to go back to the country that's broken and start to build them up from scratch again. And out of these people who stayed back, we were being introduced to a girl called Esther. Her actual name is Hadassah, which is a Hebrew name. But she was named as Esther to be more Persian. So Esther's parents died. So she was an orphan. She grew up as an orphan under the care of her uncle, Mordecai. And Mordecai was so loving to her and took her as his own daughter, right? So that's one storyline. Oh, 
the author also mentions that Esther is extremely beautiful in both in figure and face. She's a beautiful woman, and there's, um, there's legends that say at the time, Esther is probably the most beautiful woman in the whole Persian kingdom. Bible doesn't say that, but historical evidence. So now we have the story of this young, poor girl living in the capital city of Persia with her uncle, small family, but just really beautiful. And then we are introduced to another story in the same city as Susa, but now this story is on the top of a hill, which is a palace. That hill is in around 120 feet above the city. So it's like a high place. It's like an elevated place. And this is where we are introduced to a king, the Persian king. And who's we, and we, if, you look, if you read the book of Esther, you see a lot of drinking, a lot of partying. And the first chapter of Ex, uh, Esther opens up with a party that lasts for 180 days. Uh, and you think Santos Festival was crazy? You need to go to this one. It's lasted for six months. And it's very typical, right? Uh, and, and even today, it's, uh, it's very typical. Drinking and partying is, is, is what like, you celebrate. And, and then the king was so drunk, and one day he called his wife, his queen, Vashti, not to just come visit him. He, want, he, he wanted to call her so she can showcase her beauty, very sexualized, to his officials and the people that are gathered in the party. And the queen says no. So, extremely anger filled with wrath, the king removed the queen from her position. So, you are not the queen of Persia anymore. And he started saying, okay, I'm going to look for a new queen. And that's where this introduction ends, right? So, we have a, a story of Esther. We have this king uh, who is a pagan king, extremely powerful, who ruled over 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia, has a drinking problem. He degrades and sexualizes women. He's very angry, and he's a very short-tempered king. Two characters. Following me so far? Okay. Do you see God moving in the story so far? Anyone see God's moving? No, right? Not visibly, at least. But he is. And you're going to see later at the end of the story. And one author puts, this, the, uh, puts it in this way about the book of Esther, God is not only behind the scenes, but God is the one moving the scenes from behind. And you can see so many coincidences happening towards the story, and you can clearly see God is moving the, the scenes together to work together, to work everything together for good for the people who love him. And in this case, the covenant people of God and then God is having a plan. His providence is revealed through ordinary life stories. So, two stories. Now these two stories are going to meet. The story of this innocent girl, young girl, meets with the story of this powerful king. So Esther participates in the selection process for the new queen. And this process lasts for one year. One year of just makeup and presenting yourself to the king. And you can read more in the chapter, second chapter. It, 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 again, it was really sexualized competition. But the king indeed selects Esther to be the next queen. She finally made it in life. The young poor girl who was in the, in the city, she finally made it to the palace. 
She became the queen of this powerful kingdom. She made it to the elite level that uh, someone can go to in that time. And this is where we read the chapter that Mordecai, in chapter 4, her uncle was trying to get her attention because she's so far in the elite level, she couldn't see what's happening here. So he's sitting in a sackcloth and crying and, and sitting in ashes at the king's gate. The reason he does that is someone very close to king, king the Persian king, who's second in power, who just convinced the king that the Jewish people at the time are a threat to the Persian nation and the king should pass an edict, again a proclamation, to kill all the covenant people of God and the king agreed to do that. So there was a genocide was planned by the government on a set date to kill all the covenant people of God. And that's what happened. So Mordecai is here in ashes and trying to get the attention of Esther and he says, Esther, you got to do something. You are there. You are in the palace. You should use your power, your influence, your context. You should make, you should ask for mercy. You should mediate for us. Do something. And, and one thing we learn about God in the story of Esther, Daniel, and even in the story of Joseph is that God uses people from everywhere. God uses people in different spectrums of life different ages of life, in different positions of life. Not just pastors and missionaries. We often say, oh, well, the pastors or the leaders are the one who, who built God's kingdom. Well, you see in the story, God is using a highly successful leader in a secular world to bring some drastic change, to bring some drastic protection to God's people. To impact the world with the gospel of Jesus and bring change, God is calling us today, like Mordecai was calling Esther, and he wants to use our story. Not just the stories of ministers and pastors, not just the stories of scholars and theologians. No, he wants to use lawyers. He wants to use students. He wants to use software developers. He wants to use people in medicine, art, architecture, literature, art. Did I mention art already? We often overlook the importance of serving in a secular culture. We often underplay our role. Like, hey, I'm just, I'm just working in teleperformance. What else I can do? Well, you have a role that is more important than you think. That's what the story of Esther tells us. You may think you're just in a palace and you can't do much, you are, and, and this is a, another beautiful thing, right? Like, there's three books, the narrative books that's written after the Israelites moved out of exile. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, right? Let's, let's investigate three books. Ezra, who is Ezra? Ezra is a priest. Ezra is a priest who studied the law of God, who, who made in his heart to study the law, to teach the people to make sure they practice it correctly because the people forgot the law of God. So Ezra goes from Persia back to Jerusalem to teach the word of God. He's a priest and God is using Ezra to bring a spiritual health to a nation. And Nehemiah, who's Nehemiah? He's a builder. 
He's an urban developer. He's not a pastor. He's not a priest. He builds stuff. And God is using a builder to build the walls of Jerusalem. He comes from Persia back to Jerusalem, and he builds the walls to give physical protection for the covenant people of God. And we are looking at Esther now. Esther did not even leave Persia. She's, she's not a priest. She's not a builder. She's not in the field working or fighting. But she's in the king's court. She's working in the pinnacle of a secular culture. And Esther is being called by God to intervene in important policy decision that only Esther can do. Ezra can't intervene with the Persian king's edict. Nehemiah can't, but Esther can. See, in all these stories, you have male and female. You have layperson and a priest. You have people working from home, working from in the field. The question is not if God can use you in my place. The question is, do you want to be used by God in your place? Or do you want to use excuses? I'm, 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 I'm retired already. I'm already doing other things. I'm just starting my life. My career is just starting. I'm just getting married. Let me do it after two years. And, and I, I've heard people say to you, I'm, I'm barely surviving in the season of my life. I don't have the gifts and talents. I, I don't know if I'm the right person. Well, Esther barely survived. Esther even hid her Jewish identity. She's not even sure who she was. She could be thrown out when they found out she's a Jewish in the palace. If God still calls Esther, if God still can use her, he can use you too. Oh, but I'm not perfect like the other people in the church. There are other people like Barry who can sing well. I can't sing in the keys. <laughs> there are people who serve all the time. They're always in the church. My conscience is bad. I, I have a guilty conscience. I'm failing a lot. So maybe God can use other people with a good, perfect track record. Well, let me tell you, Esther does not have a good track record. Whatever Esther did in the story so far is not allowed in the law of Moses. She broke the law by marrying a pagan king. And she broke the law by even competing in that. It's literally a sexual competition. She broke the law by by hiding who she was. I don't know what's the condition of her heart after all this time. Whatever she does in the past, whatever brought her to the position where she was, God is calling her now and asking her, what are you going to do about it now? And that's the same question stays in front of us. What are we going to do about it now? Forget about the past. It's never too late to turn to follow God. Church, God wants to use you and me to build God's kingdom into this broken world, to bring his mercy, his justice, his love to this desperate world who barely needs it. And you can do that today. You can do that tomorrow in your little sphere of influence. 
You don't have to always do something that changes everything. No, you can do that one little thing that God is asking you to do, like pushing you to do in your heart. However small or big that will be. And that's what Esther is going to do. She, she don't know what she can do. All she can do is, let me try and go to talk to the king. That's all I can do. And she did that. Let's continue reading the story. And I'm going to ask Jode to read it, please. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, All the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter scepter to them and spares their lives. But thirty days have passed since I I was called to go to the king. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. Thank you. We already talked about the king's character, who this king is, how, she, how he behaves, right? So in the first part of the section that we just read, Esther is pretty much saying to Mordecai, you must be kidding me. You want me to go to this king without being called? And you know, everyone knows that is a death sentence because in those days, kings are extremely protected because they get killed very often. So they say only when they call, you have to go, even if you're your wife. And the last queen was just deposed or removed from her position because of her boldness, right? So Esther is thinking, if I do that, I have a chance to die or I have a chance to get kicked out. You are making me break a law and judge barge into the king's presence. And the other note here is Esther hasn't seen the king for 30 days. And the kings don't sleep alone at night. So they have a lot of other concubines or other people that they have. So it essentially points out that this Esther is trying to fall out, not trying, she is falling out of favor from the, from the king. So whatever time to go to the king, this is not the right time. Because she's falling out of favor and it's, it's against the law to go to the king. A lot of risk and extreme cost to do that. And she says, I don't know if I can do that. And Mordecai's response was a pivotal point in the story. And that's something he's telling today for us as well to hear. First thing he's reminding her is that, do you know who you are? Do you remember who you are first and foremost? He's saying, you are a Jew too. 
you're hiding you're hiding your identity that's okay but if you don't stand up for us when they find out after they kill everyone they're going to kill you too and your family he's is essentially saying if you seek your identity in the palace which could be your profession your uh, power or your comfort or your lifestyle or 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 the, your your secure future whatever that makes you feel unsecure if you seek your identity in that that bubble is going to break it will break one day but if you're identifying with god and his people seeking his kingdom and righteousness first well mordecai says maybe you will be saved but the new testament said you will be saved if you seek god first in his kingdom all the rest will be provided to you but if you seek your identity in other things you will lose it all what's our identity what's your identity what do you feel secure what are the one thing you look for look at and say i'm secure in that it's like your instagram bio or whatsapp bio i know josh has an instagram husband or something as his bio like he i'm a husband i'm a father or i'm a i'm a software developer what's your identity are you a child of god that would be never taken away from you secondly mordecai says to esther this is a really confident proclamation he says if you don't do it esther deliverance will come from another place it's going to come either through you or through someone else this really shows his confidence in god's promises i i want you guys to think about think with me if this edict actually passes so the edict was to kill all the covenant people of god which is jewish people everywhere in all 127 provinces so the neighbors of these communities they can go and kill them in all the provinces including jerusalem including ezra's and nehemiah's well they didn't born yet zerubbabel's family that went to jerusalem at that point you know who comes through the lineage of zerubbabel the messiah and there will be no messiah when if this edict passes mordecai doesn't know all the future events but he knows that god is the one who promised he knows that god is faithful though his people are not faithful and he's not going to let that happen because he promised abraham that through abraham's seed that he will bless the whole world and if there's no abraham's seed the promise is failing somewhere the guy says deliverance will come from somewhere else and here is a question for us today do you want to partner with god in his mission to bring his kingdom in this world to bring the gospel to bring the good news of jesus in this world to bring mercy and justice and and make the wrong right or you don't want that or you want to take a back seat and be a passive christian because god is going to do it either way deliverance is going to come but it's a privilege for you and me to partner with god it's a privilege for us to be used by god and and jode was saying this morning in our in our meeting in our um 
ministry, ministry leaders meeting and we were talking about how sometimes we feel like serving God is like, oh, I'm, I'm on the rota, I have to go and make pancakes or have to do things in the worship team. But it's a privilege, it's a blessing to be used by God in wherever we are. Not only in church, even outside. And finally, Mordecai says this, and this is my, my personal favorite, which I used for my personal life when God called me too. Mordecai says, who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. The phrase, you have come, in Hebrew language, the come was in a passive tense, which means you have brought here. You have been brought here. So Esther is thinking, I've come all the way up from nothing. I, I, I was nothing. I have come all the way from here. Now I'm in the palace. I didn't have a famous parents. I didn't have money. I didn't have contacts. I didn't have a... I didn't have anything in life, man. Now I'm here. I went through hardships to get here. I went through some really bad competitions to get there. I built this for myself. I built my career. I built my family. Now I'm living this dream. Now you're going to ask me to throw it all away? I'm just trying to blend in and keep quiet and live my life. What's your problem? And Mordecai says, no, no, wait, Esther. I, I know you're thinking that you did it all, but no, you are here by the grace of God. You have been brought to this position for such a time as this. Why did Queen Westy say no to the king? We don't know. We don't know the reason. And why did the king was drunk and deposed the queen. We don't know. And how did Esther got favor in the palace? Being some outsider, she got favor in the palace, in the competition. How did she get favor? We don't know. And out of all the women, how did she get picked? We don't know either. Do you think it's all an accident at this point? And that's what Mordecai says. It's not an accident, girl. God is moving the scenes from behind for such a time as this. And church, you are not here this morning sitting in this room by accident. You may think you have everything in life by fortune or by accident or by luck or even by hard work, which is good. But everything you have is given to you by the Father. It's a gift from God. When we really understand that deeply in our heart, everything I have, it's from God. You won't let this gift consume you. You won't be afraid I'm going to lose it because it was given to you. And you won't be thinking about building and working to build your own nest all the time. You will build other people's life. You will give to the poor and needy without any burden when you see that God is the one who is blessing you. 
How do you see your blessings? How do you look at your position of power? How do you look at your job and, and, and your grades and everything you have in life? How do you look at it? How do you look at your talents and playing piano, guitar? How do you look at everything and say, I did it? Or you say, this is a gift from God. I'm going to use it for others. I'm going to use it to glorify Him. And after Mordecai says all this, Esther takes it all in. And this is the moment where we can say, we can maybe even say, this is a point of conversion. She decides she's going to identify with her people. Even though she's a queen of the whole kingdom, she's going to call herself to be with the people. And she decides to mediate for her people. And I'm not sure, I, I probably not, None of us are being called into a, in, into a thing where you have to risk your own life. But Esther was. She's going to risk it all, everything in her life, even her own life. And she says, if I perish, I perish. I'm going to do it. And we see later that the king did not kill Esther. Later on, the story goes on. Esther was able to successfully pursue the king. And she saved her people. It's a beautiful story, isn't it? But God is never mentioned in this book, not once. But we can see that God's moving in the background in the whole story. And I could end the sermon right here and say, go be like Esther. Follow the example of Esther. But soon you will find out it's not easy. To live in a secular world, to live the world around us, to be like a testimony like Esther, to give it all away. What we need is not an example to follow. What we need is a savior to save us. What we need is someone doing it for us who save us from our edict of internal penalty of sin so we can overflow out of it and do it for others. See, not only Esther shows us how to live with courage and integrity, prioritizing God's kingdom, trusting God's providence, and be responsible with your gifts and talents and position of power, and all the blessings God has given us, the book of Esther ultimately points to something greater. The book of Esther is a signpost of something's coming. See, Esther was a queen of Persia, she was ultimately in the palace, but she identifies with her people and she mediated for them. She risked her position of power and palace and risked her own life to be under condemnation so that she can save her people from condemnation. She could go to the throne of the king. Being a queen, she can do that. And she identified with her people to gain favor for herself. And this favor was imputed to her people on Esther's behalf. Does this remind you of someone in the future? See, church, Jesus Christ left the ultimate palace. He left the ultimate position of power. Although being equal with God, he didn't consider that as something to hold on to. He gave up and he, he identified with you and me. 
he become one of us so he can identify with us with his with his people and to save us from internal condemnation of sin jesus took the condemnation on himself just like esther intercedes for his people jesus is the one who's interceding for us and esther's favor was imputed to her people and that through the sinless and righteous life of christ we were credited with his righteousness and gained favor with god on christ's behalf esther said if i perish i perish but god didn't let her perish god saved her from the wrath of the king but jesus when he said if i perish i perish god let him die he laid his own life for us he took on god's wrath for us and he died on the cross in our place so that you and i can have a life in him through his resurrection and when when we understand this infinite love and the scandalous grace of what christ did for us then we can say with paul that i once thought these things were valuable but now i consider them worthless because of what christ has done everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing christ jesus my lord for his sake i have discarded everything else counting it all as garbage so that i could gain christ and become one with him if we keep our eyes on christ on the cross then our identity is secure we don't have to earn it everything else becomes nothing compared to the love of christ when your inner being is transformed by this truth when you're filled in this love that bled for you now you would overflow with love for other people it it won't look like a burden anymore or or, or sometimes we feel like it's a burden to give it's a burden to uh love other people it's because you're not filled with god's love you don't feel god's love as much and paul says he he's meditating on god's love the infinite value of knowing christ jesus and i'm going to invite the worship team here and we're going to continue worshiping church do not underplay your role in god's kingdom you are placed in lisbon for a reason even if it's just for a season you are here for a reason every day was given to you every day was a blessing in your lives everything you have was given to you from god by grace don't throw it away even worse don't be passive don't stop using your gifts for his kingdom paul says in ephesians for we are god's masterpiece he has created us anew in christ jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago and we open this 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 section saying how how is god's going to work through situations like this how is god's going to change the world how is he going to fix everything the answer is here in this room that's how he's going to fix it god created you as a masterpiece and placed you strategically in god's kingdom in this world in secular world in 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 church in all the place you are in and that's how god's going to change the world through you 
And that's how God's going to bring his kingdom here through us, through his church, his bride. And I so want our church to say, God, let the deliverance come through us. Not from somewhere else, through us, through our lives. Let us bring hope to other people's lives through our lives. I want our church to say, here we are, God, use us for your glory. Would you stand with me, please? God, as we, as you guys worship this song, as we sing song, I want you guys to think about all the blessings you have. And think about which blessings you think actually gives you security more than God. You can close your eyes. And you think about how you can bring glory to God through your gifts and talents. Father, we come to you this morning. God, we stand as a church, as your bride, your saved people. God, you bought us with a price. You paid to buy us, to redeem us, to impute us, to credit us with your righteousness by your blood, Father, by your life. God, we want to thank you. God, help us to see your love more and more every day. God, we don't want to get bored of your love. We don't want to get bored of your cross. Let that not be a churchy term in our lives, God. God, let this transform us, completely change us inside out. God, remove the idols of our heart. Remove the things that we think are protecting us, are our that things that that are we think that that's our palace where we can just say secure and hidden and profession whatever that may be father help us to identify it and help us to remove that help us to give you the center sp space in our heart god in you we find rest in you we find security in you we find everything else we need in our lives help us to see that God, as you are a sovereign king, God, I want you, let you be the king of our heart as well. As we build a kingdom, God, I want, I want a church to build our lives with you as a king. While we do that, God, help us to go out and build your kingdom in other people's life too. Help us to take the gospel out in the world, wherever we are. Help us to teach and make disciples of your word. Help us to be a witnesses of your testimonies, Father. God, let our church be an outward church. God, as you said, the gates of hell will not overcome it. Let our church be on the offense. Let our church go out and build kingdom of God. Not just be on defense in these four corners of the room, Father. God, help us change our heart, transform our heart. Let you be the king. Let you be glorified. Let you reign in the world. Let you reign in our lives. Let you reign in this church. We give you all the glory and honor, Father. We pray in Jesus' name.